This podcast is brought to you from our friends at Tincata Protective Fabrics, Emergency Networking, MagnaGrip, and IFSTA. Fire Service Data and Tech Talk. Hey, everybody. It's Eddie Buchanan with the Fire Service Data and Tech Talk on FireEngineering.com. This episode is going to be really interesting and awesome, as they all are. Uh, This stems from a conversation that um, I heard at the Metro Chiefs Conference, where we were talking about pre-incident planning and uh, some of the impacts of that, and then how it really relates to firefighter safety. So we're going to have a great conversation before we get started, though, I do want to mention the uh, there's one event that's coming up that I think if you're listening to this show, you probably want to know about. It is the uh, Technology Summit International, sponsored by the IFC, if we, TSI we call it. It'll be on December 5th through the 7th in Irving, Texas, which is right there by the Dallas airport. Literally a quick Uber ride from, uh, from DFW over there. I would encourage you to go check that out. If you're interested in data and technology, um, this is certainly the, one of the places you want to go to uh, see what's going on. It's going to be really interesting. So just wanted to put that on your radar if you hadn't heard about it. And uh, today's guest is uh, Captain Nick Laughlin from Greensboro Fire Department down in North Carolina. Nick, how are you, sir? You want to say hello and give us a little bit of background where you come from? Hey, thanks for uh, thanks for having me, Eddie. My name's uh, Nick Laughlin. I'm a um, 15-year uh, member of the Greensboro Fire Department, uh, captain here on a ladder truck. Um, we also staff the hazmat uh, team. Um, and uh, kind of like came late to the fire service. I was a teacher for most of my life and um, uh, kind of uh, ride it out from there. So, yeah, I'm really happy to be here. So thank you for having me. And science and physics, right? Like physics, math type. Of yeah. Program. You know, um, uh, my, my wife always laughs. She says Excel is my love language. So, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I uh, um, yeah, my undergrad was in physics and math. Um, and now I'm, I'm working on a, a, a master's in uh, applied economics. So big data, that kind of stuff. Nice. My son is a physics uh, post uh, doing his post grad in physics now down at Christopher Newport. So really, I, yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, smart guy. So are you? <laughs> very very intelligent folks. I don't know where it came from. I guess I'll say it's his mother. But uh, <laughs> that's the safe answer. Good job. All, all those <laughs> yeah. years of marriage counseling finally paying off, baby. Right, 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 right. So the, the way this topic came up, I was at Metro Chiefs, and I heard your chief, Chief Robinson, uh, do a talk. Just a little short 10, 15 minute talk about. Um, how you, your department is capturing information that we would, I guess we would historically call it pre-planned information. Yep. Yes. And, and, uh, and the challenge, we, you know, we, that's not a new concept in the fire service. Uh, we've been doing that for a long time, but there's always been a challenge of, of, of making that information useful during an actual event. Yeah. Right. And, and Absolutely. so tell, go back and like, tell us how, what was the impetus for this for your department to, uh, to kind of start looking down this path and start trying to, you know, let leverage technology to do uh, more with that information? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, for us, it really was, I mean, I think a lot of, in many ways, you know, a lot of the big changes in the fire service are reactive. You know, it's um, everybody's doing the best they can and thinks they're prepared for everything. And then something, you know, uh, it's like the, the great uh, Mike Tyson, uh, um, always says, you know, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Um, and, you know, so for us, uh, that happened. Uh, we had a commercial building here, um, uh, downtown Greensboro, middle of the day, uh, uh, with lots and lots of folks on that fire. that got dispatched to it um, with lots and lots of experience. I mean, this was your A-team. So this, these were the folks that if you said, hey, 
we're going to have a commercial fire. It's going to be a big job. Um, who do you want to go to it? This, these were the folks that were dispatched to it. Um, on arrival, uh, they did what they uh, uh, kind of started working the fire. And then about five or 10 minutes into it, um, they had a catastrophic uh, roof collapse. Essentially, the entire um, roof of the building, uh, it was a heavyweight steel trusses, about 20 foot on center, uh, two by sixes. Um, it was like an old 1920s, you know, um, pre-World War II construction. Uh, and uh, during the dispatch, they forgot to tell us that what was on fire inside the building was a car on a lift um, inside. the. Um, we did not know that it had been retrofitted and turned into a garage. Um, we did not know that there was a car on the lift that was what, that was what was on fire. And so there was, in hindsight, there were a lot of things that had we known, we would have done something differently. Um, so, uh, but we ended up having, um, I believe it was four folks that were under the roof when it collapsed. Uh, all three of them were able to self-rescue. Um, one of them was uh, pulled out by the Rick team, um, had, had, you know, life-changing injuries as a result of that. And I think that all of us kind of came back and said, Hey, you know, this was the A team. Um, and if, if they can get bit by this, really anybody that we have in this department can. And so how do we create a system, you know, where in hindsight, I think everybody looked at that building and looked at the situations on arrival and said, hey, um, even the folks that were on dispatch, we, we would have done something different. We, we really don't understand why we did this thing, uh, wh- why we had the folks in where they were, um, n- if we had known what we know now. Uh, and so I think that um, it really kind of, forced us and has got some heart wrenching, um, uh, work as to figure out like, Hey, how do we not only collect information, but deliver it to folks who are going to go from eating a chicken Philly to making life changing decisions, you know, within 90 seconds, you know, within, uh, which was the situation that day, they were literally eating lunch. Um, and the gentleman who uh, had some life changing injuries as a result of it, he always laughs. He was like, man, I was having chicken Phillies one minute. Uh, and the next minute, um, I had a roof laying on me. Uh, and, uh, how, how do you set folks up for success in that environment? Um, and you guys have been working on this for a while too. I, when I was researching the topic, I actually found, uh, I guess it was an EFO paper chief Gossett had done, yeah. you know, where, where he was researching what was available, uh, yeah. in the pre-planned space. Yeah. And, uh, I don't know if, what's the right term, Are we still using pre-plans I, every now and then things fall out of favor as to what you call it, but. You know, for us, we call it the GOVAP, uh, the Greensboro Occupancy right. Vulnerability Assessment Program. I think that, um, uh, you know, we, we, the OVAP was there and uh, we're not, uh, evidently we weren't too original. So we went with GOVAP. It was our version of the OVAP. Um, uh, so, you know, I, I don't know what, uh, um, it, it does seem that there is like, there's just more interest on it these days. That like there is more interest in, you know, I think that the, especially now having the capacity like inside of technology to gather and deliver, uh, you know, large chunks of data in, you know, realistic ways um, and, and in useful ways um, uh, really has created, you know, used to be for most folks, the pre-plan was a notebook that lived on the back of the truck. You know I mean? You had everybody had right. their like, you know, three ring binder. Gets it like this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, um, and, uh, you know, and we always laugh that, you know, that, that really the, the test of a successful pre-plan program is, you know, can that first do officer who's, who's, you know, for most fire stations is going to have from tones to f- feet on the ground four or five minutes. And, and all of that, I mean, it's really hard to describe to folks the chaos of that first do company officer. Like you just cannot, 
you can't describe it to, to folks about how many decisions are happening and how many inputs are happening, you know, that, you know, you get dispatched and now you've got all these units like pouring in on you, you know, you've got them, you're making sure that the driver knows where he's going. You're figuring out where the hydrant is. Am I going to have enough water? Hey, what's my stretch going to be? Are the two guys in the back of the truck? You know, there's just a lot of, and all that time you're, you know, bumping around trying to get your seatbelt, you know, all this, it's just chaos. And so how do you create a program where you can kind of fight through that chaos and deliver information that that person can use in a way that would change the response in a good fashion? And so that, that's for us, what we, what we did was we really, um, I would say ours, our pre-plan program is more a process of, of subtraction. You know, that, that um, I think what we realized is that uh, the pre-plan program we were using at the time gathered a lot of details about the building that really, if you were standing in front of it when it was burning, nobody cares about. Like, I don't care whether it's got rocks on the top of the, like, you know, if it's got tar and rocks on the top, that's not a deal breaker for me when the, you know, when it goes down. Um, and so what we did was we said, hey, you know, what do you want to know? Um, and we developed a, a simple set of kind of binary questions um, that it's either a yes or no answer to it. And they're common sense. And they're driven by what the things we want to know when we arrive, like how much water do I have? What's my stretch going to be like? Should I expect people inside the building? What's what am I working over top of? What am I working underneath? Um, and our guys now go out there and answer these questions. And if it's a no, if you tell me that that information that, that that thing isn't there, we don't ever talk about it again. Like you don't. There's no good news. You know, like I don't tell you, hey, there is no basement. Um, I just tell you if there is a basement. And so you can go in. Um, so it really helps you to t- kind of weed through what's the important stuff. IFSTA is dedicated to updating firefighting techniques and safety through the creation of our manuals, apps, curriculum, resource one, and more. Our high quality, technically accurate, and affordable training and education materials have made us a worldwide leader of the fire service. Visit us at ifsta.org for more information. So, um, so- Let's start, let's start from the, an incident perspective. So yep. if you're, if I'm sitting in the front seat of a unit going to a fire yep. as an officer, structure fire, yep. tell me what I'm looking at. Like, what, what are you seeing and how are you seeing it uh, in front of you yep. in that moment? So for, for in Greensboro, we use um, uh, MCTs, so mobile uh, command terminals, mm-hmm. or whatever, MDTs, or whatever. I can't remember the, the acronym, but we have a laptop sitting in front of you as you're driving down the road. Um, you'll get, uh, you know, there's a map interface there. Um, and what we realized was that, uh, text is not a good way of communicating to a company officer when he's driving down the road. There's zero chance I'm going to read something in route. It, for, for, I mean, you know, if I have a, an, an extended uh, uh, travel time, I might pull off a little bit of it. But realistically speaking, I'm not going to be consuming a lot with text. You know, in fact, um, the incident where the folks got uh, the, the incident that we had multiple times in there, uh, it said we realized in the notes that it, it had said that, hey, there's nobody inside the building. There's nobody inside the building. Um, and yet when we got there, we reacted. Nobody processed that in route um, because it's deep buried in this big wad of tech. even the CAD notes, right? Even and the they, CAD notes. Yeah. 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 We uh, you know, it's it's all buried inside this big wad of text where on a good day, I'd have a hard time figuring out in a pinch. Um and so what we did was we kind of gave up on text and we said, hey, let's or so for you, if you got dispatched to a location, um, there'd be four, there'd be one of uh, you would have a set of icons 
that are live on top of the building. Um, and those icons are driven by the GoVap answers. And what we look back at as uh, historically what has killed us in commercial structure fires, which is you're working over top of an unseen fire. So there's a basement there. There's the possibility of a basement. You're working under a roof that has the uh, habit of collapsing without, in, without um, any kind of warning kind of early in the show, those kind of heavy steel trusses. Um, you lost radio traffic inside the building. So for us, that's called a signal 10 location. So essentially where we walk inside and the trunk system can't get in there. So you would lose radio traffic. And then the third is uh, that the, excuse me, the fourth icon is that it's just a complicated response that, that there's a lot of little things that not any one of them would be really difficult to get over top of, but some buildings just have a lot of little things to them and it makes for a really complicated response. And so, um, so based on the pre-plan answers, uh, those icons uh, are automatically generated on the, um, uh, on the map as you're driving down the road. So when you look for hydrants, sitting over top of the building would be an icon that tells you there's a basement and, or that tells you there's a heavy steel truss over your head or it tells you, hey, there, you can't get radio traffic out or it tells you, hey, this building is a train wreck. Um, that, that one of those four icons could be sitting there. And if you don't see those icons, then you can know none of that stuff is there. Um, and so that would be kind of your first, that for, the fir- for the first two company officer, that's really what they're using more than anything is that, hey, they take a quick look at the building. I can catch my hydrants. I know which way I'm coming. And I can look at the icons real fast. I don't have a basement. I don't, uh, I don't have a heavy steel truss over my head. I'm, I'm going to have radio traffic. And this isn't a train wreck of a building. If they do see one of those icons, what we've trained our folks to do is that, hey, like we're telling you information about this building so that you can adjust your response. That's, you know, if I do see a basement icon, Engine 11. this is on duty. It's not me. Garrett Street. Overdose. Cross streets are Carbonland Lane and Kersey Street. Or Carbonland Lane and Kersey Street. So inside track for 15 years, I wrote uh, about 14 years. I rode the engine and I just transferred over to the ladder truck. Um, and that right there is a beautiful thing that uh, uh, as a ladder guy, um, you know, it's a thing. I was just thinking as, as somebody who's been retired a little over a year, I haven't heard our beloved in the ceiling in quite a oh, while. Oh my gosh. Yeah. She is. So it's uh, fun to hear her again. She's a tough yeah. woman to love. She's a tough yeah, woman to love. That's for sure. Anyway. Um, okay. But. but yeah. So yeah, we have those, that, those icons and, and ideally what that would do is that would prime you as a company officer to make a different set of choices. Um, so right. if you if you saw the basement icon, you would know, hey, I'm probably going to try to send my first two ladder, or my first two engine to go around to the Charlie side and clear the basement. Um, or, hey, if, if I know I'm going to be uh, working under a, a roof that has a nasty habit of failing, I'm going to be really aggressive with that roof report, you know, and, and kind of make those adjustments on the fly based on the information that somebody, you know, a year or two years ago collected in a pre-plan um, and trying to hit that window. So we, we do it with a set of icons. Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of enforced technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit TenkataFabrics.com slash Flex 7. Flex 7, powered by enforced technology. Only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. So you're 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 giving a graphical representation and a geospatial representation, really, yep. when you think about it, of yep. a lot of information boiled down into like, oh, here's a 
Yep. Here, here's absolutely. a big chunk of a of alert, right? Yep, absolutely. And, you know, so for the other companies that are heading down the road, you know, for those second dues, uh, for those second due companies and for those battalion chiefs um, that are coming down the road, you know, there is more detailed information in there. So all of the pre-planned notes that we uh, collect are passed to the MCT. Um, and so if you have time, you can dig in deeper, pass those icons into very specific things like how much hose do I need? How much water do I need? All that stuff is in there. But what we do is we just don't want to wash out the things that are going to kill you with a lot of the stuff that's not. And so that's why we kind of stuck with the icons for that. And so there's really kind of two users we concentrate on with our pre-plans. One is that first two company officer who's got to make split second decisions with a lot of pressure and very little time. And then the second kind of user is that incident commander. That um, and so on arrival, you can actually tap our MCT a couple more times. And if you zoom in on the building, um, all of our pre-planned sketch icons, like you know FDCs and uh, you know uh, stairwells and doors and all that kind of fun stuff, they're there. Um, we just don't wash out the map with them on um, uh, on the on the map that that you get at dispatch. But you can zoom in, and they're all sitting there. That way, as an incident commander. I can see where my units are. I can see the building. I have all the sketch icons real time. And so I can see that, hey, there's a ladder company sitting right beside that door there. Maybe instead of sending this one over here around to the Charlie side to do it, ladder 10's already sitting beside it. So, hey, ladder 10, you might make an entry on the Charlie side through that door for me. Um, so that's that's kind of how the system for the users uh, works. Um, over time, what we've figured out also uh, is that it, it kind of helps to have an eye in the sky. We do not have a dedicated dispatcher. So let's, so um, we would love to have one, um, but uh, we don't have a dedicated dispatcher who can read pre-planned information and funnel it to us if we want it. And so what we've done is we've kind of created a system where battalion chiefs from the opposite side of town who are not involved with the call, when they hear that dispatch go out, they'll actually check on the TAC channel and say that, and tell folks, hey, I'm available for pre-planned information. Um, and they're sitting in front of the computer idea. and they can, they can grab whatever information they want. And so if you want to know your stretch, uh, if you know you have a long stretch, but you don't know how long you have, um, you can just check on the TAC channel and say, pre-plan from engine 11, what's my stretch to the middle of the building? And that battalion chief will tell you, you got 400 foot in the middle of the building. Awesome. All right, I can start making the change. So that's kind of how that's, the users would use it. That's, I, I, I got to say, I, we've never, that thought never occurred to at least where I was from. Yeah, um, that's a great idea. You know, we, we would do they would do that. Um, it was really more about moving units around some more so than, and, you know, maintaining system status. Yeah. And it was having somebody actually pull Intel. That's yeah. that's that's a great use of resource. Yeah. And, and, what we, and low tech. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, I, if uh, I would love to say that we thought of that quick, we didn't. It took us seven years to figure that out <laughs> <laughs> to figure out, hey, wait a minute, like we're on these things and we don't always have the information we want. And it's the incident commander sitting there saying, well, man, I was really busy. I was working on making sure my units were coming and making sure PD was in the right place. God bless them. They park all over the place, you know. Um, right. And uh, that first two company officer was like, man, I was worried about this and that. And so he said, hey, wait a minute. Is there any way that we can just have somebody who is like not super stressed out? just read the information and say, Hey, I'm here. If you need me, I'll be your eye in the sky. I'm not going to come on the tech channel and give you a long, you know, vomit all the information out there. But if you got a question, Hey, do we have a basement rock and roll? I'll get that for you real fast. Um, so yeah, I'd love to say we got it right the first time, but only seven years in the no, fire service, that, in the fire service that, that's overnight. Yes, that is particularly related to change. 
That's overnight change. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's uh, yeah. That's that's turning on a dime. Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com. So for, for the data collection, are you using any uh, other layers like the hydrants, for example? Yeah. Are they coming in from another layer or do you have to put them in there manually? Um, so the hydrant layer is something that we, you know, that our water resources maintains that for us. All of those guys are, um, um, are Esri layers, you know, so where it's, mm-hmm. um, uh, we actually use the, their field map application. So when we're doing right. our pre-plans, um, uh, you folks, guys have got their phones out and they're, you know, dropping icons as they're walking around the building. Um, uh, and so that, that's how the other information kind of gets in there. And then, um, we store all of our pre-plans in our, um, uh, RMS system. Uh, and then that, uh, populates all the rest of the icons. So some of the icons are automatically populated uh, for us just based on your answers. Like you don't have to tell us to add this icon to it. Um, based on how you answer it, we're going to add that icon. So that, that was going to be my next, my yeah. next kind of line of questioning was, was, was from a technical standpoint. So you're using Esri, uh, Esri is a kind of the whole platform yeah. using the, uh, field, field, you're collecting field data. Yeah. What are you using there? Uh, so that's, uh, uh, we use field maps, the app, that field map. it's an application that Esri has. And then, um, our RMS system, we've, we've actually maintained it through two RMS systems. Now the first one was firehouse. Um, right. and now we've just transitioned to fireworks, which is a different uh, RMS system. And both of those, um, systems actually fireworks built us a custom module for the GoBat because, um, you know, uh, it's just, uh, not very big out there now. So they built us a custom module where, our guys can answer those questions. So, um, you know, uh, on the geekier side of things, all right, so this is, uh, um, so what we also running in the background for the GoVap is this equation that we have that calculates the relative risk of the building. And so, because what we wanted to do was we wanted to say, again, that, that fourth icon for, hey, is this building a train wreck or not? Well, you know, train wreck is kind of relative, right? I mean, like we're, you know, if I lived in Manhattan, um, high rise fires would not stress me out a bit. You know, if I worked, if I worked there, high rise fires, that's just the day at, a day at the office, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, if I lived in, you know, uh, California, wildfire, that's just a day at the office. Um, you know, that, so risk is kind of relative to what you're kind of good at and what you've got a lot of practice with. And so what we did was we, we kind of pulled the group and we said, okay, based on these icons, based on our questions, like if you have enough water, you don't have enough hose, that kind of, and we, um, again, having the math background and a little bit of physics background, um, we created an equation that creates like a relative risk score. Um, and, you know, some things make everything better. Some things make everything worse. Some things make things incrementally better. So if you have an alarm system that reduces, um, and so, but, um, but yeah, so there's no, a nerd out. This is a, if you want to nerd out, this is a place to do it. All right, so, if we're going to nerd out. Here we this go. This is the show. So, uh, um, so, so it's it's really just algebra, right? And so uh, mm-hmm. some things uh, make everything systemically worse, right? So if I don't have enough water, everything about the fire gets worse. If I have to extend lines, everything about the fire gets worse. Um, some things make everything, uh, and in in math, in an equation, that that's multiplication. Right. So if uh, if I multiply something by a number, everything else in that equation gets bigger. 
um, uh, in uh, some things make everything better. And so uh, like uh, alarm systems uh, and sprinkler systems, right? If I have water on the fire before I even get there, that makes everything better. That's division, right? And then some things are kind of incrementally better or worse. Um, and so like if I have, um, let's say it's a, uh, uh, let's say it, I do have a basement. Uh, let's say I do have um, a jacked up, you know, let's say I do have a, 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 a flat roof or some type of like your know, roof structure I'm worried about. That doesn't make everything worse, but it's something I got to deal with. Right. So that's that, that's that's kind of like things that make things incrementally worse. And so incrementally worse in math is, is addition. And so if you put those two things to get those three things together, uh, multiplication, division and uh, um, addition, uh, you get an equation that creates this relative risk score. And it's actually um, uh, something that we've seen over time uh, works really well, because what it will do is essentially it will tell you two buildings sitting side by side. It, you answer the questions for building A this way. You answer questions for building B this way. They could look exactly the same from the outside, but based on that score, I could tell you, hey, building B is way more complicated than building A is. Because, um, and I can put a number to that. Uh, and, and so that's uh, kind of on the back end of it. Um, that's running to create, to, to populate that fourth icon, which is, we call it the caution icon. If you see it, what we're trying to tell you is you want to tap the brakes because you're getting ready to walk into something that is that, that has the potential to be very complicated for you. Um, so you're using that same philosophy of no, uh, there is no good news, right? So if yeah. there's no icon, all is good. There's not. Yeah, there's no icon. All is but good. if there's an icon there, hello. Yeah. Pay attention. Exactly. Yeah. Seconds count when responding to an emergency. Minutes save count when documenting your day. Emergency networking makes records management easier and faster with its Fire and EMS solution. User-friendly, complete online and offline functionality, highly customizable, all at an affordable price. For more information, please visit emergencynetworking.com. Yeah, I think any time somebody starts something like this, you have no idea what how it's going to run out. I mean, like everybody's got a great plan on the front end of it, and then when you hit play right. on it, you know, um, you just got to see. And I think what uh, what has been really fun to see is that when you when you make it about what we do, about stretching lines and about water and about roofs and about basements and about taking care of each other, that, hey, me doing the pre-plan today is going to have the potential to save somebody, one of my buddies, two or three years down the road. I think it gets us out of the pencil whipping world. I mean, a lot of, you know, I think if we're honest, a lot of the world that we can live in can, can sometimes seem like pencil whipping in the fire service. You know, it's like, I'm finished fixing these reports and all this. Looking, what does it matter? You know? Um, right. But I think making it about what we do and making it about keeping each other safe and doing a good job when we can come off the truck that folks, we saw, you know, I mean, we're like the fire department everywhere, right? You know, the, the old, the, the saying, right. I have a buddy around here that his saying was, you give a firefighter a hundred dollar bill and you complain because it's, it's wrinkly. Um, I mean, my hunch that is that's actually not, happened once. I've, that I've that's, that happen yeah, that's actually yeah. a thing. Yeah. Um, my, my, my guess is that's probably not. I know that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that's probably not just us, but what we saw is that pretty much overnight, you know, we have 7,000 buildings that we had to pre-plan and, and essentially we knew we were walking into this saying, Hey, we're going to go ask for these guys to spend hundreds of hours a year walking through these buildings, answering these questions. 
and nobody complained. And I'm not just saying that as like, I'm not bragging. Like, like that's, that's actually the truth. Like the old crusty, like codger firefighter captain guys, they went out and did it because I think that folks just got, Hey, wait a minute. Like, this is going to make my life better. This is going to make my brother safer. Um, I think that was the, um, one of the really impressive parts to it. And then I think the second thing that was really impressive to it was that after that first year of data kind of went through, when you put this stuff on a map, you could see some really interesting trends. You know, I think a lot of times when you're looking, you know, it's just hard to see the construction trends happening in buildings around you. It's hard to see that, Hey, like this spot on this side of town is going to need way more hose than this side, than this side over here. Cause, and so what we could do is we could actually create some trends using these pre using this, this data that they had just collected about how much water they had, how much hose they needed, um, where the basements were, all this other kind of stuff to kind of see there are these little regions where I could tell you, Hey, this station over here, you're going to need to be good at basements because you got a ton of them. Um, and this station over here, you're going to need to be good at dealing with locations where you can't get radio traffic out because there's a ton of them. Um, and, you know, uh, there were a lot of like these little knock on effects of just asking the simple questions that affect firefighting inside our city that we got to see, hey, you know, this part of I mean, they ended up actually putting up new radio towers because you would see, hey, there's a there's a hole right here. Uh, because my guys just went out there and told me they can't get out in any of these buildings over there. Um, and so it was really interesting watching that kind of trends. I mean, you know, cause you could have, you know, two you know, trucks kitted out entirely differently on different sides of town, just based on the risks that are associated in their neck of the woods. And sometimes you would never see that unless you started asking those questions and seeing, Hey, what's around, me, you know? Um, so that was kind of another kind of cool effect to it. Well, it's a great example of, of data influencing training and operations in a very real way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it, that's that's uh, uh, Chief Muncie. He was our one of our first guests when my first episode of the podcast. Yeah. And, and he, you know, he made a statement that I keep keep hammering on measuring what's measure what's important. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we're not out. We're not out just collecting data for the sake of collected data. We're collecting data that actually relates to, yeah. to operations. Yeah, that, that's that's huge. Um, and I think, you know, in fact, we were kind of excited. I, I know that um, we're getting ready to buy a new uh, CAD system, the, the county is. And what we've realized, again, kind of we got I don't know if we got lucky or smart or sometimes I don't think it makes a difference. But, we, you know, that um, that, you know, really what we're doing is we, you know, um, you know, in the ERF world, in like the, the SIPSI, you know, ERF world, you know, that that critical task analysis, like really what our all these guys have done that they don't know they've done is they've done individual custom critical task analyses for each one of these buildings. Because if you tell me we have a base dispatch, but if you tell me that you're going to need to extend a line, that's another truck I need to send you because you're going to need people to extend and man that line for you. Or, Hey, you tell me you don't have enough water at the street. That's another truck I need to send you because you don't, because you're going to have, somebody's going to have to go catch another hydrant someplace away a little bit farther away. And, I, and I've, I've sent you the base. Um, but what we're hoping to be able to do is based on how folks have answered the questions in these pre-plans is they give custom dispatches that this building will be, its dispatches will be based specifically off of the pre-plan answers that you've given us. You tell us you don't have another, enough, uh, uh, enough hose on your pre-connect, we'll send you another truck. Enough, don't have enough water at the street, we'll send you another truck. Um, 
And so that's, uh, I think that and we didn't really realize that until we're kind of a little into it. Say, hey, wait a minute. Like we could justify custom dispatches based on these pre-plans because we've done their critical task. And th- that's what these guys have been doing for all this time. Basically, we just didn't know it. We just got, you know, lucky or smarter. Um, depends on who you ask afterwards. Uh, hey, in-house, in-house I was totally lucky. Uh, yeah. you, you, somebody on the street. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we totally saw that one coming. We, we absolutely glad to head for that. Well, it really does affect the ARF. And, and if it's interesting it's it's interesting to see how data has influenced that over time. Like, yeah. you know, in my old apartment, we we basically got our ERF based on a stick man on a whiteboard. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, we're like, I got the two people do yeah. that. And we, we just came up with 16 and that was our basic structure yeah. fire package. Uh, now we're starting to see the data influence that in a great way. Uh, Phoenix in a previous ep- the last uh, show we just did was they had figured out how to, re- they were able to influence potential ERF numbers based on air usage. Yeah, because oh, absolutely. they were able to capture some of that data, you know. Absolutely. So we, we we're starting to have a greater understanding of how we operate. Uh, yeah, I think in an interesting way. But do you think that algebra you're talking about? Yeah. Do you there? There's I, I have a conflicting argument in my head that I'm trying Go to wrestle it. with. Maybe Let's maybe do you this. can help me with it. It's like a math battle, we, right? We we understand that. Every fire to like you, you said it. We're we're all good at a little bit different things. Some yes. of us are good at high rise. Some of us are good at yep. you know wood frame structure fires. But yet there is is there a way to use that algebra that algorithm to articulate risk in a way that could be somewhat standardized? Like is there could that be applied in a broad scale? Yeah, the risk measure you're using. I think that the. Um, I think the method that we developed it, yes. I think the specifics of the numbers, probably not. Um, right. I, I mean, because really what it was, was you had a lot of folks that sat around the table and said, okay, what's important for you to know? Um, well, it's important for me to know this, 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 and this. And so we came up with a category of, hey, here's all the information that we want to know. Here's everything that's going to make it better or worse for us. And then we went back through it and we said, okay, is this a systemic risk? Is this a systemic thing? Is it going to make everything else harder about this? Or is this an incremental thing? Um, and then we went back through it and we categorized them as incrementally better. Uh, excuse me, it may, would make things incrementally worse or make things systemically worse or make things systemically better. And uh, based on those answers, uh, we kind of came up with that algorithm. So I think the the process of developing the algorithm, I think, is universal. I, mean, I think everybody could come up real fast. I could go to any department in any country, uh, city in the country, and we could sit down and have about, about a 30-minute conversation. And I could come up with their version of the equation. Um, and it would do almost the exact same thing that ours does, except it would be based on what they're good at as opposed to based on what I'm good at. Um, like I said, you know, for us, a, a high rise uh, makes things systemically harder, you know, because I got to truck things up the, you know, all that kind of fun stuff. Um, so uh, I would say for, you know, again, you know, the examples like the Phoenixes and the Chicago's and the New York's of the world, folks are doing high rises every day. You know, that's probably not going to stress them out. That's just normal operations. Um, so I think that, um, yeah, I don't know. I'd love a chance to try it. Um, see if you can find some volunteers. I'll come and hang out with them, and we'll, we'll make the uh, we'll make the equation for them. The timing is interesting because there's a lot of movement in the fire service on a national level. Uh, you know, whether be, 
we're starting to see like the uh, final drafts of NFPA 1022, which is the yeah. standard for fire data analysts. Yeah. Right. So that that's we're starting to kind of formalize how to put these things together. And then with Neris uh, under development, and that brings with it a new data standard. Uh, throw in the accreditation uh, system, you know, with, with CPSE, and is there a common way to articulate risk? And then how could that risk be leveraged in predictive analytics is the way, that's where my brain would go. If I could take digital twins, and uh, I'm a big fan of data beyond the air break. It's one of the things I've really been kind of beaten on lately because uh, because all these all this data exists, it's just in different places that don't talk to anything. You know, if we could if we could find out a way to collect that data as well, we can start to really do some interesting simulations. Yeah, uh, but, but we've got to, all these problems have to be solved first, and it, you're that's what caught my my eye or my ear, I guess, when I was listening to your chief talk about it at Metro. It's like ah, they 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 found a way to articulate risk and. Yeah. And, you know, something that's a little bit less subjective than just what you think it. Well, I think that building's dangerous. Yes. You know? Yeah. Which, I mean, that's most actually of, quantify it. Yeah. You know, I think that, um, you know, now that you're talking about the um, you know, how could you like kind of play it out? You know, my guess would be is that, like I said, um, you know, the UK did a study. Uh, uh, basically, they looked at all the different departments in the United Kingdom. Um, and what they would do is they would essentially kind of classify the department. And so, like, uh, you know, like a London is like a metro, like, you know, large um, metropolitan fire department. Um, and then they would have like kind of smaller cities and they would they would kind of like group them into like types of departments. Um, and so you kind of have like categorized like a category, a set of categories. My, my guess would be is that if you took a metropolitan, you know, for, for us, we're about twenty nine, uh, about 330,000 people in the city of Greensboro, um, 25, 26. Um, I hope my chief's not listening to this because I don't remember the exact number, number of stations we have. Um, uh, that my guess is that you could take uh, in a kind of a suburban environment and, you know, you could take what we're asking and, you know, go to one of our sister cities like a Raleigh, North Carolina, very similar, a little bit bigger, and it would play just fine. Charlotte, North Carolina, very similar, play just fine. And so my, my hunch would be is that um, is that if you, if you kind of came up with some categories for these, that it, then it probably would transfer very easily between departments. Um, right. it, it probably would transfer very easily through it. Um, I, I think the other uh, I think the other part that I think is that we learned kind of through the process was that really what you want is you want folks to be using a system that they intuitively understand. Because if you're going to get buy-in on the line when they're doing these tours, if they're collecting a lot of information that they know intuitively doesn't pass the smell test, why am I sitting here all day long collecting this information? You're going to get garbage in, garbage out. And so I think right. that ha folks on the front end of it, having the ability to say, hey, this is what is important to me. As a first two company officer, this is what changes my, the way I look, you know, as an organization says that on the front, on the front end, say, this is what is important to us as an organization. It changes our response. I think it, it helps when it goes down to the boots on the ground, passing the smell test to where, you know, you have that, you know, the old codger captain who gets it and is willing to spend the, the hundreds of hours a year going out doing it. Um, I think that's really 
you know, I guess in the end, the data is only good as the collection system that you've got. And if, and I think for us in the fire service, getting those guys on the ground to believe in and trust the data that we're producing really matters because a lot of times they're very removed between the data I collected and the decision it drove. And if intuitively they they can't draw a line from where they gathered it to where it got used, you're going to have a hard time uh, getting them to gather great data. If that makes any sense. Um, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, That's actually the, I'll, I'm starting to notice in these shows that there's always a masterclass segment. And yeah. that was just it. Hey, there you go. <laughs> hey, listen, a dog lays out in the sun long enough. A dog, dog lays yeah. out in the field long enough. The sun's going to shine on them every once in a while. <laughs> that, that That's a key point to make that the data collection from the field perspective, you have to understand the decision that it drove. Yeah. Yeah. I think and that, I think that's a huge point. Yeah. It only took me eight years to figure that out. So I'm not, I'm not the hey, fastest, man. I'm not the fastest guy in the world. Yeah. So that, that's, and you, you, it's an interesting concept also that I've heard of some of the comments that you hear in the data world or that firefighters don't like data. We don't like to collect data. Yeah. Um, that we're just generally bad at it. Um, but that seems to be contrary to your experience, right? Yeah. Um, it no, sounds I, like you guys are having no problem with that. No, I think that um, uh, what firefighters are really good at uh, is just smelling a line. You know what I mean? Like, I think sometimes mm -hmm. that, you know, data is gathered for the purpose of data. You know, it's just like, hey, we're just gathering it because it makes us look cool or we sound smart or, you know, like we're just it's the, um, you know, uh, quick act busy, you know, the uh, chief is coming kind of stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. it's that kind of, you know, the, the data version of that. Um, and so I, I think again, that like, you know, as soon as they understand what it is and why they're doing it and they can, they, they can put that together, you will have zero questions about why this matters any longer. You know, like nobody argues about why it matters to get out of the house fast. Right. Because intuitively, like I get it. You know, mom is on the floor breathing her last. Like that's why I get out of the house fast. I get out of the house fast because somebody's going to be upstairs and I need to go get them. So like, so the data is like, you know, so when you talk about like uh, turnout times and travel times, there's zero pushback from the fire guys when they're talking about like, Hey, this does or does not make sense to me. Like they, they've, they understand it and they can get behind it. Um, I think that the work of, you know, folks like you and me who are the geeks and who are the data guys is to listen to those line guys and say, hey, and then to spend the time, you know, telling the story of like, hey, why this matters? You know, um, you know, why does it matter that we are, you know, like, why does an ERF matter? You know, I, I've always thought that was the funniest yeah, until I got into data, I had no, nothing, no idea of like standards of coverage and ERF and all that kind of fun stuff. Mm -hmm. And when you go out and you tell the guys online, Hey, wait a minute. Like the reason we care that we're putting four on every truck is because that, that number is getting measured by council. And the next time we go ask for, Hey, we want a truck or we want a station that's going to be driven by this standard of coverage, which is essentially a promise that we, that, that they made to the citizens. They said, Hey, listen, you pay your taxes. This is the standard that I'm going to establish for our fire, for our fire response. 
And then where, when I don't, when I find places where I don't meet that standard, I'm going to spend some resources to fix that. And so when they start to understand, oh, wait a minute, the reason that I put four on the truck is so that I can get my folks there and that's so we can, we can measure this stuff because there is a standard recovery. Like when they start to see that, hey, that's how new stations pop up. That's how new rigs get bought. That's how, you know, we uh, put more bodies on the truck, you know, for, um, we're lucky enough here to have, to be able to follow the NFPA recommendations and have four on the lat, you know, four and four on our engines and ladder companies. Um, yeah, that's how that stuff happens. That, that is data and that's data making their lives better. So I think once you, for us, firefighters are fine with data. Um, they just don't like, uh, you know, uh, being like, you know, sold a line. So as soon as they see the reason that it matters, they're good. Let's do it. Old BS. Yes. Stuff, BS word. I didn't I, yeah. I, I was I was worried about putting that out there. I didn't know I didn't know what the rating on our podcast was. No, I was we're gonna good. say like we're good. <laughs> I was gonna say, we're yeah, good. firefighters are fine with data. They're just bad with BS. May, I would I was thinking maybe maybe it's that the, we don't it's not that we don't like collecting data. It maybe it's that the system we were putting it in sucks. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that might be part of it. Yeah. Uh, which it, it it has historically been very yes. difficult to work through. Yeah. yeah. And because of its design, that's why we would pick undetermined, undetermined, yeah. undetermined, you know. And that's what I think that we uh, we've always been really mindful of the user when we kind of pitch this out there that, hey, the first time that they click the MCT and they don't get the data they want like that. You, what you've done is you've just diminished their incentive to go out and collect good data. Like the first time that it doesn't pay off for them, you're 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 tearing them down. And so. There, there's been times where we've had things that we wanted to do and wanted to release. We said, Hey, listen, until it's bulletproof, let's not put it out there because, you know, uh, integrity, like the integrity of the system is a perishable good. And if we run one bad year through the guys will figure it out and then we'll never get good data again because, you know, they'll think that they're just wasting their time. Well, what, what were your greatest, when you guys were implementing this uh, program, what were the big barriers like roadblocks or yeah, big think, hurdles you had to deal with? Uh, the, the tech was, a for us, the tech was a big deal. So, you know, um, uh, I think we, um, there's a guy named here named uh, Todd Tuttle, um, where Excel was my love language. I think Firehouse was his love language. Um, the, uh, you know, so he, uh, he really had to kind of bend firehouse uh, to our will to be able to record some of that data um, and then really kind of patch it through to get it to be able to, to get sent to our MCTs. And so the technology really was, you know, um, uh, really was an issue. I mean, when you think about it, if we collect, let's say 15, 20 data points on a 8,000 properties, I mean, you're talking like there's millions of data points that we're collecting right. annually and updating and trying to drive live real time to an MCT. I mean, like the, the tech side of it is insane that it works. Um, and so I think the tech side of it uh, really was one of the big, uh, um, was one of the big thing was one of the big hurdles. And then I think the other one was, uh, I mean, really, you know, uh, if you're going to teach somebody something new, um, you have to be committed to reteaching it pretty much every single year. <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, we, uh, there, there's no one and done's ever in new stuff. And so each year we have an upgrade where we go out and we teach them, Hey guys, here's the go back again. Like 
here's why we do it. Here's what we're going to do. You know, we just touch it really quick um, to try to give that. I, I think I, I don't think I, I understood the, the long term commitment it was going to take that. Hey, man, I'm a, you're, we're going to be married. This is we're going to be talking about this and doing it um, forever and ever. Um, just because, like, if you don't practice it, if you don't talk about it, you know, uh, folks, you know, you, you lose it. There's new there's always new people coming into the org. There's always the, the folks that were good at it leaving the org. And so if you're not always talking about it and not always justifying it and not always teaching it, you're getting worse. The moment you take a day off, you're getting worse. Um, and so I think that was the other part that um, I didn't really anticipate on the front end. I might, I might have not shown up for the uh, I might not shown up for that uh, that work group. But had, had I known. Yeah. How was the migration when you went from the firehouse software to what you're using now with was was that were they uh, pretty acceptable to that? Yeah, like, so they had to do a custom piece of custom work, right? Yeah, they um, uh, they've actually been uh, the the custom side of it has been great to work with. They've um, and yeah, you know, they actually built the equation into the home screen, like where the guys are doing it, so they can see that it's changing the score. Which again, I think is one of those that that, that connecting the folks between the decisions I make and the and the response that I get and the, the benefit that I get. And so driving those two things closer and closer to each other. Um, so that, that's been awesome. Now, um, migrating a database from one place to another, um, that'll make you want to take a day off afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so. Um, that's been consistent across everybody I've talked oh, to. Oh yeah, it yeah. just is what Any it is. Anytime you're migrating data, it's like. Yeah. So, the, so you said that they, when they're in the field and they're, they're changing, uh, ask, answering these questions. Yep. It's literally changing the, the score in real time Correct. on their device. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So it's actually changing the, the, the score real time on their device. Um, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. No, yeah, that was, uh, um, it's a cool trick. Um, it's yeah. a very cool trick. And so, um, and you know, when they're, uh, in additionally, it's driving the icons too. And so like, if for one reason or another, you go back out there and, you know, let's say a new occupancy moved in and changed some stuff that happened inside of that building. And now it gets scored higher. You might go from not having a caution icon to having a caution icon just based on the new set of answers that you're giving. Or like, you know, if they put in a uh, and so it's that real time nature to it, I think, was uh, another another one of those things we're driving that uh, work to benefit making that distance as short as humanly possible. That real time nature to it. We'd have guys check. We have guys test it out. They, they, you mean how firefighters are? They come back and say, I'm going to drive. Yeah. We had a, ba- you know, they, they, they push the basement button and then they'd run out to the truck and see if the icon had popped up and it, and it would be there. And they were like, oh yeah, man, this thing is good to go. That's pretty cool. I was going to ask so I could get on the rig and as I'm pulling away, I'm seeing the work. Yeah, I you're seeing the work you just did. Right in front of me. Yeah, which that was. That's, uh, that's really good. That was pretty strong. That's amazing. The um, Good grief. That, that's that that's on a whole lot of levels from the cultural aspects. Yeah. I mean, from the data aspects, the tech aspects, I think that's one of the themes I've heard from talking to a lot of people in the field now is that anytime you're working with a new vendor, that's going to do some sort of platform, yeah. use, particularly data driven platform. I think it's important to understand uh, that initially when you're having those initial discussions is to talk about the custom work you might need. Yeah. That needs to be part of the build and incorporated in that and uh and kind of don't take no for an answer i think is yes. a, is an important thing yeah you know um yeah i think that uh, 
having that kind of process thought out on the front end um, is a really big deal. Like learning, like uh, telling your vendors those kind of changes on the fly on the back end, uh, which they were very upfront. Like, hey, we have this GoBat program. Your system is going to have to maintain this, and this is how we want it to get maintained. And so that was what we told them on the front end of it. Um, I think if we had like sprung that on them, you know, week two of the development, like, hey, oh, by the way, uh, we got this thing over here that you guys need to, you know, figure out. Um, but, I, you know, I think from a vendor standpoint, you know, if I were somebody like in, uh, um, you know, like the firehouses, the fireworks, the Deccans or the, those of the world, mm-hmm. um, you know, asking those questions like, hey, what's different about you than other departments or, hey, what's, you know, and trying to figure out, you know, what's unique to these folks. Um, they, yeah, I think what's funny is I, I think I underestimated how married you are to a vendor um, in good ways and bad ways. Once you, you know, it's, we really, you know, um, are dependent on those folks to deliver the stuff that we're going to be using for us. And so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a big deal. How have you addressed succession planning with this thing? <laughs> I plan on walking out the door in 15 years and I hope it's a success. That's, um, you know, uh, so we have a big group of people. Uh, what I've loved about it is that, um, and I have, I've, uh, um, this might be another one you want to clip out for my chief. Um, but the, uh, you know, I, I've told, so I am not actually in charge of the program. I'm like, just, a, I'm a helper, helper B. Um, and uh, we have a commander who's in charge of the program. And so um, that's nice um, because he's got enough brass that he can get stuff done, which is a big deal. Um and there's a group of people that are all working on it together. And so we've consistently never let it boil down to, hey, this is Nick's thing or this is, you know, um, Todd's thing or anything like that. It's always been, hey, this is our thing. And so we maintain a group of about six to nine people that maintain the program. And we meet on a regular basis and we're talking about what's going and what's not going. And so um, I have moved my chair slowly but surely farther, closer and closer and closer to the door during those meetings and at some point in time, I'm just going to close the door and they're not even going to miss me. So um, I think that's, the, yeah, problem solved. Yeah. You know, that's going to be the, the real test is if, uh, um, you know, I can, um, you know, the, the folks, uh, I think I'm the last, I'm, I'm the last OG. I'm the last original gangster on the, uh, on the, on the group. So, um, so far, so good. I'll, I'll let you know. Give me give about two or three years. I'll see what I can do. Well, you know, that's one of the big challenges I see uh, pretty common across yeah. the fire service as a whole is. Uh, you have a you have a really good informed data person yeah. working on a project. They get really good at it, yeah. and then they get transferred. Yes, <laughs> and yeah. then then you got another guy who's like, I don't even know what this thing is. What is this? I don't yeah. need this. You know, get this. So it's uh, it's interesting. I, I think it's brilliant that you guys have diversified it in a way that you have. Yeah, and uh, I th- so that it doesn't shudder. Yeah, and you know, I think that we're not the only folks in the world that have KPIs. You know, like we're not like. Mm-hmm. The, industry around us, like this is the, the data world is what they live in. And so, I th- you know, we've recently just hired a couple of um, civilian data analysts. Um, and so I think, you know, creating that kind of like, um, I mean, is it realistic for you to expect, I'm always going to have somebody who came up through the line who's going to be good at data. Like that's probably not, I mean, because nobody gets mm-hmm. into the fire department for data. I mean, like that just, that's not where I'm going for it. You know, I'm into it. I'm, you know, this has kind of grown up over the past 15 years. And and so I think having those civilians who can and creating a kind of a collaborative environment, whereas, hey, you know, 
these data analysts and the, these data folks, like we're not the only rodeo in town that they're trying to figure out like, Hey, what decision point, what data drives your choices? What do you need to have done? Like what are those KPIs and those cultural things that, that I have to like quantify and then help you see on like a day-to-day basis. And so I think inviting those folks, you know, having more of that kind of like, you know, a chief or someone with brass is in charge of everything um, probably uh, would help. I think for that succession planning, you know, cause there's a lot of data analysts out there in the world. Um, there's probably in every department, maybe that one guy. Um, and that's probably not a great plan. Yeah. I've noticed a lot of the data guys tend to they either have a bad shoulder or a limp. Yeah. They funny just have that, to be good at it by luck. Yeah. <laughs> funny how that works. Yeah, but, you still sit still long enough. You'll get a job. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Well, Captain, I really can't thank you enough for coming on the show, yeah, man. It's, this is really, really enlightening. Yeah, this, and, is, uh, this is great. And, and my best to the to the chief and all of those folks yep. that have done such good work with this. I think it's a great example of, uh, of really grabbing data and, and making it mean something. I call it operational intelligence. Yep. You know, data is nice, but give me something I can make decisions with. And you guys have found a way to put these decisions in front of a company officer when they need it most. So I yeah, hats off to you in that. It's been a cool experience. It's been a cool. It's, it's been fun to be a part of. So I, I consider myself real lucky. How can people get in touch with you if they want to? Uh, you know, if they have questions, what's the best way to approach? I don't want your phone to bring off the hook necessarily, okay. but how would they? Yeah. How would they get hold of you to find out more about what you did? Um, it, I can. I'll be happy uh, if your podcast has a way out. I can share my uh, phone number and email address. And we, we have folks uh, that reach out from time to time asking about, hey, how do you do this? Um, Mm-hmm. Um, and just want to ask questions and bounce ideas. And um, I'm happy to help. So I'm, ha- I'm happy to help. And might I suggest an article in FDIC submission as well, sir? Yeah. Um, you know, if, uh, um, if the math guy was good at writing, I need to find a good, I need to find a, a really good ghostwriter. And then I'm down. I, I'm <laughs> all about it. Sign me up. No, it's, it's great content, really great information. So I appreciate you coming on the show today. Send my best to the folks there. We'll do it. Thank you. Eddie. Y'all have a good day. And this is a great episode of the Fire Service Data and Tech Talk. If you were looking for us or have ideas for the show, you can reach me on Twitter at Data Tech Talk. Also, we have a Facebook page, Fire Service Data and Tech Talk, and always on LinkedIn if you want to find me there, too. So hope you've enjoyed this episode. We'll be back next month, and hope everybody stays safe. Fire Service Data and Tech Talk. IFSTA is dedicated to updating firefighting techniques and safety through the creation of our manuals, apps, curriculum, resource one, and more. Our high-quality, technically accurate, and affordable training and education materials have made us a worldwide leader of the fire service. Visit us at ifsta.org for more information. Like a trusted turnout jacket you've had for years, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric delivers a perfectly broken-in feel on the very first wear. Flexible, comfortable, and powered with the strength of enforced technology, Flex 7 Outer Shell Fabric is made to move. To learn more, visit TenkataFabrics.com slash Flex 7. Flex 7, powered by enforced technology. Only from Tenkata Protective Fabrics. Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip. 
the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com. Seconds count when responding to an emergency. Minutes save count when documenting your day. Emergency networking makes records management easier and faster with its Fire and EMS solution. User-friendly, complete online and offline functionality, highly customizable, all at an affordable price. For more information, please visit emergencynetworking.com.